You're listening to Addicted to Growth. Join us each week as we sit down with sales, marketing, and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation. New insights, new playbooks, new tech, new lessons. Step forward into growth and development or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. Welcome back, everyone, on another episode of Addicted to Growth. And tonight, I'm super excited to have my friend, neighbor, sales professional, Carol, with me. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you for having me. I feel so important. That's uh, okay. We, we just, you know, like to talk to cool salespeople, uh, sometimes marketing people. And I'm super excited to have you and have you share your journey with us. Thank so, you for having me. Of course. So would you mind starting and giving everyone a quick little sneak peek about who you are, maybe like a one minute blurb about who you are, what you're up to. And then I honestly would love to, after that, kind of dive into some of your other hobbies and then finish up with some sales talks. So is that Sounds great. cool? So go ahead, take it away. Hi, everyone. I am Carol. I am uh, a female that loves and works in sales and loves the hospitality industry, uh, restaurants specifically. I've worked in startups for the past seven years as an individual contributor, as an account manager, as a sales leader. Um, Most of the startups I have worked at and seated, which is my current role, which I love, uh, focus in on the hospitality industry. So uh, sort of as a hobby, I'll just go to restaurants and ask them to do a stage in their kitchen, which is something I know is a little cookie and out there, but I've done often. It's something I really enjoy. And recently I've gotten into uh, consulting, which is also amazing, where I work with super early stage startups, seed uh, to series A, helping them build and scale their sales book. So sales, sales, sales. And some food. Wait, but I, I'm most interested about food. We can get to the sales stuff later. For sure. Can can you can you tell us a story about one of the most interesting kitchens that you had the opportunity to visit, oh, and God. why it was so interesting to you? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a story. Um, I hope these people don't listen to this podcast, but if they do, oh well. So um, I like to work in kitchens. And that's because I love food. I love hosting. I love people through cooking for them and treating them to great foods and exposing them to great foods. And I haven't had the chance uh, to go to culinary school. And uh, all my chef friends suggested, you know, you need to work in the kitchen. That's what's going to get you the real life experience. You need to literally get your hands dirty. So this past summer, about a year ago, there was a restaurant that opened in New York. Uh, the name is Rizdora. They're in Flatiron and they've gotten some really great press, uh, Northern Italian cuisine. And uh, a friend of mine invited me over to dinner there and the reservation wait was like two months. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'm gonna go. So I went and I was lucky to meet the owner and I asked him if I could go work in his kitchen. And he was super nice. He said, you know, not really up to me. You need to talk to the chef. Uh, happy to make an intro. 
So I emailed the chef, um, chef was busy, never responded, called, texted, didn't really get an answer. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to show up. So I showed up and I said, I love what y'all do. Super passionate about food. I've done this before, but I'm not a professional cook. Can I please, please, please come work for you? You don't need to pay me. I just want to be here. I'll peel potatoes, scrub the floor, whatever it is. I just want to be here. And um, I convinced them because I'm in sales and that's what I do. Uh, and he allowed me to go work there and it was fantastic. Um, I was only there for a couple of months, every Saturday. Uh, it's it, Kitchens are fascinating. It's super hard work. You meet people that are very dedicated to what they do. They know a lot about what they do. And just because it's something that I'm passionate about, it just like you go in there and you see all those things and you're like, this is where all the magic happens. Uh, and I know it doesn't necessarily, you know, make a lot of sense or closely tie into my, my real job, uh, but it's, it's my biggest passion. And I think that maybe that's why I've also chosen to work in startups that focus on hospitality. Uh, Travis, who doesn't like food, right? Like food is culture and history and memories. And we all had someone that cooked for us, right? A mom or an aunt or a dad or some sort of caretaker growing up. So I think that we all learned that when someone cooks for you and treats you to a wonderful meal, it's because they love you and because they want to take care of you. So that's, that's sort of the glue. It's funny because one of our recent guests, Bridget O'Brien from Dialpad, um, also had an interesting background and she's in sales enablement, but she was a previous uh, science researcher. So she literally studied dolphins. Oh, wow. And I asked you that question for a reason because, and I think it might've been Bridget too, but I got to get my facts right. Um, but I think it was something along the lines of how people in the restaurant and hospitality industry actually, and I think it was Bridget, um, they actually make for better salespeople because of all of the things. Yes, it was Bridget because one of the stories she shared was about how like imagine being someone that gets the restaurant order wrong and the order of your clients wrong at a restaurant that normally, you know, has, you know, five-star meals. Right. Imagine getting that wrong and bringing the wrong order to that hmm. person. You have to deal with so many other things and so yep. many other emotions um, on top of, you know, just handling 101. Right. And so I, I really love that you have this, this interest in, you know, food and, and cooking, especially, but also that you kind of really take that. I'm going to try and stumble my way into what I want to learn pretty much at, at all costs. Like you're just going to do what you need to do to kind of get things done. Um, yeah. Which, I have no shame, Travis. I don't care. No, I know. And I think that's, that's one of the great things about you. And I think that's a, a huge thing that people can, kind of learn from you already is that like when you want to do something, you just kind of go do it, right? Like mm -hmm. you emailed a chef, you emailed some restaurants, they didn't get back to you. And then you were like, you know what? I'm just going to show up in person and I'm going to ask you exactly what I asked you over the email to your face. If you say yeah. no, I'm just going to go to another kitchen and see if another chef left me in. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, I think that it kind of like rolls right into the next 
part of the conversation that I want to kind of go a little bit deeper with you on is about where this go-getter mentality came from. Like, was this something that was always a part of Carol, like growing up as a kid, like, did you always have this or like, where did this kind of start to? No, no, not at all. And it's interesting because, and I think we've talked about this before one-on-one, the best sort of salespeople, if you look at them, they have some type of, you know, sports background and they've played sports or they've coached or they've been in some sort of group um, activity, right? Uh, because it teaches you how to be a team player. It teaches you how to work towards a certain goal. I didn't have any of that. Um, I never played sports growing up. Uh, I'm the youngest of three. So I was very sort of, you know, spoiled and handed things, but I think it happened through some adversity that I experienced in my late teens, which I'm happy to talk about. Um, and to that point, before I kind of go into it, I think that some adversity is good. Like you kind of need to get hit on the face a little bit when you're younger, to sort of learn how to respond, um, and move on to have those, those responses be, be innate. Um, so I'm from Greece in case you can't hear my accent. And I moved over when I was, uh, 17 for school. I moved here by myself. I had recently lost a parent, which obviously I don't wish upon anyone, but it's just like a set of experiences that made me be more independent when I wasn't in the past. Um, And in the professional world, I, you know, I didn't go to school for sales. I don't think that anybody does, nor did I know in advance that I wanted to be a sales professional, which again, I don't know of anyone that said, you know, being a little boy or a little girl growing up, oh, I want to go into sales. No. In fact, salespeople, you know, get a very bad reputation. Like they're, they're sleazy, they're lying. And we all kind of have that, the, the image of the used car salesperson in our heads, right? That's a stereotype. So I stumbled upon sales and I was super young. I was 22 or 23 at the point. I didn't really have any money. I had started a company which got acquired, but it was a very bad deal and I didn't get any money out of it. Um, And I didn't know better. Um, So I stumbled into the tech world after having applied uh, on an ad on Craigslist. And it was like, I need to make this work. I need this money to pay my rent. And I think it was also pride being the, uh, the only woman on the sales floor, like, who are these jokers? I need to figure this out. So, um, sorry, Travis, I think I'm going on a rant. I don't know what your initial question was. I'm just talking right now. No, no, no. It's all good. I, I mean, I think the, the interesting piece about your, your story is, is that you just slipped in. I came to the United States at 17 by myself. You just, just dip, slipped that in there. So a lot of, I mean, for me, right, I grew up in the States, have both my parents, thankfully, and and growing up and trying to find your way, you know, after losing a parent and being in a whole new country at 17, that is different. Like, I I don't want you to just, yeah, at 17, I came over here. That is not, no, no, that is not, uh, 
a thing that I'm just going to let you throw under the rug on this podcast. Cause I think the, the piece that a lot of people are like, aren't remembering. It's like, not everyone gets to have the privilege to just figure everything out and have people that lay the foundations for you and spoon feed you every opportunity that you ever get. Like, it would have been nice, but again, you know what? I don't, I look back at it and I say, Thank God, because if I was continuing to be spoon fed like I was growing up, I wouldn't have done. I don't think I would have done a lot of things Uh, like I didn't know what I wanted to study. I ended up getting the literature degree, which is great because it teaches you creative thinking. But, you know, not not a a field I wanted to pursue professionally and sales kind of happened. But then I was like, well, shit, a monkey can sell. There's just one, two, three, four, five steps or X, Y, Z processes that you need to follow. And if you follow them and you ask for help and you're coachable and you have a goal in mind, you can do really, really well. And I, and I believe that wholeheartedly and I hope it doesn't come across as cocky. I think that anybody can sell as long as you're disciplined and focused and you have good people around you uh, that you can learn from. Yeah. And I mean, also to your question about what question you were answering, it was about your go-getter mentality and where did that come from? <laughs> um, no, we did a full circle. Yeah, no, we did. Cause like you gave us a glimpse into, you know, where you came from, you know, how you grew up and, and some of the things that you've already gone through that again, not many people ever experienced. And so um, one, just want to thank you for, you know, going there and taking us there. But then, you know, two also want to say like, this is, a super inspiring story to me because again, I haven't had to deal with the situation that you did. And, um, I think for a lot of other people out there that also might be, maybe you're 17 and listening and you just moved to a new country and you have to figure your way out or like maybe, you know, you get into a place where you have to survive on your own. Like hopefully these, these words can help you, kind of get through and, 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 and show a, a light in the direction uh, that you can make it out and you're not going to be alone. Um, because I think that's a place where a lot of people get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I love that you just kind of went for it and had that go get mentality, um, which, which I think is, is something that I guess I'd be curious to kind of hear about your experience so far with first time founders or even like what advice you have for some of them. So kind of pivoting a little bit, right? So going from the cooking and the just walking up in the chef kitchens, asking if you, you know, you know, I mean, cook something for them or with them, peel onions, chop tomatoes, all that stuff. Um, to then having that go-getter mentality and just kind of, uh, going after whatever you want. But then like now you're here, right? Like you're in the startup scene, you're working with other startups, advising them, you're working with first time founders or at least beginning to work with them. Uh Right. So what would be some things you've learned so far around uh, like how first time founders go to market or some things that you're finding, especially right now that they're, they're missing or some misconceptions that they might not be thinking about. Um, right now you know it's super interesting and i kind of want to uh back up a bit if if that's okay with you Mm -hmm. so the way consulting started about a year and a half ago uh yeah a year and a half ago maybe a little over um i was looking for a job i had 
left the job and I was kind of looking for my next move and wasn't sure where I wanted to go. Uh, you're good there, Travis. And uh, uh, I'm good. Awesome. So um, an old CEO of mine knew that I was looking for a job because I asked him to be a reference for me. And he essentially went out of his way and connected me to another CEO that was in Israel at the time and was looking to come to New York and, and, and build his company here. So he said, you should talk to Carol. You're coming to New York. You all should get together. So I met with him and he was like, you know, I need help. I'm looking for a VP of sales. This is my product. This is what I'm looking to do. And I was like, I'm not going to be your VP of sales, but I'm going to tell you what I think is going on with your product and whether there's a market fit and if there is how you need to present it and whether you need to sell over the phone or in person and who's your ideal client profile and what value are you providing and what pain points are you solving? So I, you know, we kind of went through that and he, he brought me on board as a consultant um, and I helped him figure those things out and it was a lot of fun and he learned a lot and I learned a lot and um, I helped him hire his, his VP and some other, you know, first, uh, first members and build this company. And Afterwards, I found um, a company which I fell in love with and I'm currently in, but because of COVID and working with the hospitality industry, I was, I was furloughed like a lot of people were. And that's when I really thought, well, you know, what else do I know? What else can I do? So I spoke to a bunch of people and consulting sort of became uh, top of mind for me again. So I reached out to an ex-colleague who's a fantastic, super strong, super smart, sales professional, uh, has been a VP in a bunch of different startups. I just had a couple of exits and long story short, I said, Hey, listen, I'm not working right now. I have this free time. I've done this in the past. And he, he knows me cause he and I have worked together. So there, it wasn't a big sell like the kitchens. Um, and I asked if I could go work for him and that's what we're doing. We're working with super early stage startups seed to series a working with founders directly on helping them build and grow uh their sales playbook and, and here's what's fascinating to me you'll see people that are super smart very passionate about what they've built they're often engineers themselves and they know what problem they're solving and it's a really cool product but they don't necessarily know how to sell it right like or, or, or they will do a very good job of selling it and maybe they've sold it to a handful of people so there's some product market fit, but they haven't really scaled it or they're, they're not able to handle objections or they're not sure about how to, they're not sure of how to go about scripting or you know whether I should sell it over the phone or over email or whether the best tools to help me succeed. Um, and we work with them and we help them figure that out. And it's so fun. It's, it's really, really, really great. And what would you say are some of the things that keep coming up is like hurdles they run into? And I guess for some context too, I, I love and have, you know, worked in a couple of early stage startups and I'd say one of the things that I always find at least that, is always a challenge is adapting the product to what the market actually wants, 
right? Like nine times out of 10, what I find happens is founder has this idea. They solved this problem. That was a problem for them, let's say a year ago. And now they finally get the product to where it's ready. It's uh, able to go into the market. It's functional. And then all of a sudden something like COVID happens and the market shifts. This product is no longer the thing that they built it for. And now they have to adapt. And a couple of things come up. They, the market shifted. It's not exactly what it was six months ago to a year ago when they first made it. Right. And so um, that's just one thing that I find is a consistent, like making sure you're actually solving the current needs for your customers versus, Hey, I solved this need that was a year ago need. And I hope my products still solve this problem for people forever. And it's like, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, but Listen, the product needs to be strong to begin with because I can help you, but up to an extent, right? But what I'm helping you with is really, how do I sell this? Am I sure? Like they'll often know who they want to sell it to, but maybe there's other people that could be part of that ideal client profile. Maybe they're, you know, they're not selling to the right decision maker. Uh, maybe it's a longer or shorter sales process. Maybe, you know, they, they've done some, which, which will often happen is when there's, when they have been some sales, uh, people buy from them because it's also their relationship, right? And because they understand the product so well because they built it. But when they're looking to sale, to scale and hire their first salespeople, it's hard to sort of, um, you know, give that knowledge to someone else and teach someone else how to do that and put those processes and those metrics and those KPIs in place. So this is where I'm able to come in uh, and say, okay, this is the right way to do it. And, and let's try this out. Got it. And have you, I guess, seen that it's something that a lot of these co-founders are lacking and that's what's kind of holding them back in their growth. Yeah, a hundred percent. Cause they're not salespeople, nor should they be like, it's not something that they should know. And then I'm coming in and saying, you know, this is something you should have known you're doing it wrong. They just don't have that knowledge, nor should they have that knowledge to begin with. I'm not an engineer the same way. They're not a salesperson. It's just a different part of how do I get this into the market? Got it. And then in terms of like, if you were talking to a founder today, right, what would be some of your biggest things that you would make sure that they do as it relates to their sales process, business development, product development? Um, and like, what are some of the questions that you're asking of your clients? The, th- the first thing would be always um, looking at the top of the funnel activity. How do you generate leads? After you generate those leads. You said the L word. You said the L word. So we're going to talk about that. We, we can. Um, Sorry, keep going. How do you qualify them? How do you know that they're the right decision maker and that they have the money to pay for your product? Right? Uh, those, are, those are two major things. Afterwards, after you've generated those leads and you've qualified them, what's your process from first touch to demo? How long does it take to close a sale after the demo? What are the in-between steps? What does the follow-up look like? And a lot of times what's fascinating to me is that the product is so strong and there's other avenues to go with it as well. 
or you know how to decrease um, fat or how to increase LTV. Uh, that there's things that you know they just haven't thought about, and you just need a second pair of eyes to come in and say, well, this could go on X, Y, and Z avenue, and maybe this isn't a more efficient way to go about it. Interesting. And so basically, again, I'm I'm being a stickle here because whenever I hear the, the word lead, I'm always like, ooh, shouldn't they be focused on a set of target accounts? But then at the same time, they're trying to find product market fit. So like here's here's let me let me let me cut you off here for a second. Here's the problem that early stage startups have. Two things. You need to figure out where to allocate capital because you only have a little bit of money and you have X amount of runway. So you need to be efficient on, on where this goes. And number two, you need to allocate human capital. That's the job of the CEO. So where do I put my money and who's the right person to hire for this job? And if you do that effectively early on, you have a chance of your startup surviving. But there's only very few startups that make it that the process that the sorry, the product is strong and that the process is strong. So you need to get this right from the get go. Got it. And no, that, that, that makes so much sense, because I think the the one of the misconceptions or the things that I think gets missed a lot and also a first time founder over here, right? Like I've never started a company, never done anything like that. And kind of like going through this myself, one of the hardest parts for me being a salesperson is all the other stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the actual product development. It's the product creation that I lacked in and still am trying to, you know, pick up skills to, to get better at that stuff. Right. And there's, there's a whole array of, of things that, that I'm good at, right? Like sales, business development, messaging, op, all that stuff similar to what you do. But there's a side that like doesn't get talked about, especially for people I think that are starting to float between the, I have a full-time job and mm-hmm. I also have this other area that I'm interested in that I kind of want to generate some revenue with, right? Yeah. And I think that's something that's going to become more and more prevalent to people because I've had at least since this whole lockdown thing happened, I've had, I don't know, five or six conversations with people that are like, Oh yeah. Like my side hustle is X yeah, and like salespeople mostly, right? Like I'm a salesperson, I cook and I'm a salesperson and I want to motivate people. I'm a salesperson and I want to go into esports. Like that's just what it is. And I don't think it's getting talked about enough to be honest. And, you know, and this is going to sound shitty, but I think that at least COVID for me has been a blessing in disguise because it's been... That doesn't sound of, shitty. I think it's, it's, a, it's you know, truth for everyone. You know, a lot of people died. So I'm not, I'm not overlooking that or, or minimizing it. But for me, it's been really, really good. And I'll tell you why. So at the beginning, I was anxious like a lot of folks. And then, you know, a couple of weeks in, I started thinking what do I want? What am I good at? What do I want to learn? What are the types of people I want to be associating myself with? And what happened is I've been fortunate that I've been in a job that I really love. And I'm talking about seated, which is my full-time, you know, real official job. And it has been for a little over a year and a half. But given that I was furloughed, here's the thing. When you do something that you love, 
and you do it well and and it occupies a lot of your time because it's a startup and you know that's that's what you do right you don't necessarily have the brain power or the time to think what else do I want to be learning? How do I want to be growing? What, what am I doing? What's, what's the path for me? At least I wasn't, maybe other people are, I wasn't. So when I had this downtime, I started talking to everyone and connecting with people and asking, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And it was curiosity, but it was also like to sort of measure myself of are there things I'm good at and I can share and I can teach someone and, and help them out? And are there things I lack that I can learn from someone else? So there was a lot of that, and that's how the consulting was reborn after my gig with the Israeli founder um, last year. So it's it's been really, really good. And um, yeah, I'm on a rant again. I don't know. I don't know where this started. No, no, it's all good. I, I mean, I think it started with you just kind of sharing how you've moved into kind of like this role, how you started learning, how you started connecting with people and um, pretty much landed to where you are now. Yeah. And it, and it's good and it's all good. And I think that often, which is a very human thing and I do it all the time, we become myopic. We hone in and, laser focus on one thing and that becomes your world and and it's good but it's also good to know what else is out there and that there's you know so many infinite a million billion things you could be doing and you could enjoy and you could be good at and all is good we just need to relax a little bit and and think big picture yeah and the other thing i think would be an interesting place to end on and i'd love to have like a follow-up discussion of this but ways that employers can embrace the fact that their people love other stuff than actually doing the job that the employers tell them to do. And I say this for a couple of reasons, because there's this whole subset of, of people that are in these roles, particularly you'll find it in salespeople that have been in sales for a decent amount of time. There's this curiosity and this itch to just do something outside of the normal. And for me, that came two years ago when I had a podcast. And I was like, oh, like I had a podcast idea. So let me take all my energy and put it into my podcast after work from seven to one AM. I'm just gonna podcast, podcast, podcast. And we love you and you're a rock star at it. I'm learning, right? I'm still learning. I'm still like a a, 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 a a white belt. I'm still learning, right? That's how I look at everything. But aren't um, we all, Travis? Aren't we always learning? Like you'll see someone in their 50s or their 60s and you're a little kid or maybe you're our age and you're like, oh man, they figured it out. No one has ever figured it out. Everyone's always learning. Everyone's always on a journey and that's a good thing. If you have a growth mindset. Unless you have that legacy thinking mindset, like most companies do, that their people aren't going to have side hustles. And if you actually empowered your people to do the things that they love outside of work, they actually would show up more than full selves and be more productive when they actually yeah. show up for what you need. But Yeah. And, and I think Justin Welch talked about that. I, I hope I'm not pulling that out of my ass. I don't think I am. He was saying that at Patient Pop or at one of his companies, the way they sort of reward uh, salespeople is by... Uh, sponsoring webinars or other activities they want to attend or classes how do you 
push your people to grow. Uh, and it's, it's big. And I think that COVID has sort of forced all of us to, to think outside the box a little bit. And I think you'll see that even more with people working remote or people wanting to branch out and, um, and, and do different things. And we're meant to do a lot of things. We're meant to grow and we're meant to learn and we're meant to talk to each other and we're meant to be happy. And I don't think that this whole happiness at work is a millennial idea and that you're supposed to do something that you don't like and make money and shut up. I think you need to do things that you like and that's when you do them well. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the, the punchline for me, at least anyway, is for companies out there that aren't enabling their people to become better all around humans. I think there's going to be the ones that come out on top when, you know, all this is the new normal is set and people are in their routines and people are used to working from their living rooms, right? Like once not saying they are, or they're not just kind of like stating that when this next normal new normal is accepted widely, right? Like some people are literally, someone was like, yeah, I might go back to the office in like three months. And I'm like, this is just my, again, my beliefs on this. Any company that is trying to send their people back to the office after what is it been four months now five months yeah four and a half months of lockdown this is a full quarter maybe half a year for some people in other countries almost a half a year of behavioral change and shock that your people just went through so let's just pause on that for a second and i'm like i said we're gonna wrap up we'll wrap up after this you just put extra stress on your people by bringing them back into the office. Like I'm just bringing you into that world. You just opened up, you're rolling out slowly. But so now you have the mom of two with a dog at home that you're asking to then switch her everyday routine with her children and her family to then come back and make it work for your company. But you see the bigger companies that are sort of the leaders, you know, let's take tech for example, because that's what you and I know. And we should only talk about things that we know. Uh, you see companies like, you know, Google and Facebook that are closing their offices indefinitely. Uh, and working from home is becoming the new norm, right? So I've, I've been loving it. Uh, and I didn't think I would because I think in sales you need or it's good to have the team. It's good to vibe off of each other's energy. Uh, it's good to be in an office, but you can also you can also make it work. That's that's why Zoom. That's what Zoom is for. Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah, I didn't really mean to get on too big of a rant there, but pretty much just saying don't don't shock your employees just because you want to be that person to bring people back into the office. Like I'm, I just want to say to company leaders, anybody that is in charge of making those decisions that happens to listen to this, don't just mix up your people's lives just for the sake of having people in an office. Yeah. Like it's just how that thought was born into your head as we've been talking, but I like it. And I agree. I forget. I think it was just around. Oh, cause it was the, the, the whole side hustle thing of how most people that work at companies, especially in sales are often the entrepreneurs or the people that have other ideas or that want to do something on the side. And we want to get after it, right? Cause we've been, we've been conditioned so much being in sales to just 
ask for things and go after things and not take no for an answer and be bold. So those sort of become innate if they weren't there to begin with. And you want to learn and you want to grow. At least all the good salespeople do. Um, and if we're wrapping up, I want to sort of leave you with something that has been uh, big for me. And it's helped me a lot in different things that I've done in and outside of work. So it may help other people. Um, have you ever heard of uh, the phrase of being the village idiot? Mm -mm. So that's a role I really like to play. And I'll tell you what I mean. The village idiot? It doesn't sound like a role that I want to play. I think I think it's going to be just just hear me out. Have have an open heart and an open mind. It so, is open. I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you. So a lot of times at work, especially you know in sales or in other environments, or even as you're going through life and you want to do something, you want to start a new business, uh, you want to venture out or have a career pivot or anything you want to do that may not be sort of you know, the norm for you or for the overall uh, society, I guess, people will say, well, don't do it. You're going to fail. It's wrong. It's hard. People don't do that. That's not the right way to go about it. You'll get faced and hit with all kinds of, of objections and negativity and just no. And I like to play the village idiot, meaning I like to sort of approach it with a, with a naivete and a well, why not? What do I have to lose? Well, why not? Why can't I call the CEO directly? Why do I have to go through through HR or through the director of operations or through the assistant? Why not? Or you can go work in a kitchen. You've never done this before in your life. Well, why not? Or you can't go do this role or you can move to a different country by yourself. Well, why not? So it, it, when you sort of peel back and you, you kind of go against the status quo and what's expected, that's where you really, really, really grow. And not only, it, there's nothing that can go wrong. Like worst case scenario, you find out, you learn something new and you decide, okay, I don't like that. Maybe that's not the path for me. And best case scenario, you find something you really like. And, and it's like going into a room and having someone turn the lights on. So that for me has been major in all the different things that I've done. And you, and you feel good about yourself and you learn things and you see that you can do things and it's, it's good. So, so those are my two cents if it's, if it's worth anything. I actually don't mind the village idiot now that you say it that way. Um, I love that. No, I think that's such a great place to, to, to end on. And, and for people listening, where can they go connect with you and learn more about the life of Carol. That's, that's good, Travis. Thank you. I thought I lost you there for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry. Um, so no, I was just saying, where can people go connect with you, learn more about you uh, after listening to this? On my, on my LinkedIn, which I apologize, I haven't been too active on recently, uh, going back to work and doing my consulting, but I will, I will get back to it. You're a leader at that, so I'm following you. But yeah, I'd love to talk to anyone on LinkedIn, uh, someone that's just starting, someone that's been in sales for a while, someone that's into consulting. I think that you can learn from anyone. So uh, we'd love to chat, make new friends. I love it. 
Well, Carol, thanks so much for hopping on with me tonight. Uh, it's been super fun and cannot wait to continue this conversation and, and have you back again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Travis. You got it. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learn something new, don't be shy. Let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.